starting to fear that we may never get this NCAA football game. The game that we've waited over a decade for is suddenly in danger. We wonder, is Florida for real? They're heating up on the recruiting trail. We dive into that. Is there staying power in Gainesville? And then tonight, it's our first edition of Spoilers and Soilers, one of our most popular episode segments from last year. We did Spoilers, who's going to ruin your college football team season. We've added to that this year. With the Soilers category, who is going to woefully underachieve, let their fan base down once again in 2023? With that, I welcome you into the uh, Three Technique podcast, college football podcast at the intersection of the X's and O's and the Jimmys and the Joes, along with Trey Reeves, Garrett Turney. I'm Mitch Mason. Fellas, it's like 120 degrees outside. How are we doing? Well, Tried to get outside yesterday and exercise a little bit, and after about 20 minutes, I looked at my phone and it said dangerously humid, and that was a new one. So we didn't last very long outside the last couple of days, but hey, that's June, July in Texas, and we're still preheating, right? Unfortunately, I feel like this is the preheating stage. Yeah, I was about to say, we're going to be heading towards July, which while we'll be doing the previews inside, I don't think dangerously humid will come up too much because... You know, the heat's too hot to let moisture stay in the air at a certain point here. So uh, that'll be interesting to see when we get there. It's it's the best time to be moving, which I will be. So, you know, that'll be a fun time to just sit out there in the heat and just bake for a couple hours. Yeah. The feels like number was 118 yesterday. <laughs> that yeah. that was just stupid. Yeah. We, we, don't, we don't need that. Please stop. Well, I, I wish it would cool down a little bit. We're trying to stay cool here. We're, we're going to uh, a lazy river. Uh, tomorrow night at a baseball game, shout out the Frisco Rough Riders. Uh, allegedly have a margarita festival on Saturday that we're hitting up. Although, oh, yeah. I, if it's a billion degrees, I don't I don't know if I'll be there or not. We'll, we'll <laughs> see. Um, but while we are trying to stay cool inside, we're producing a bunch of content for you guys. And uh, that's a really, really exciting thing is the long, cold, dark offseason winding to a conclusion. We're right around the corner from preview season being able to kick off this football season, and fellas, that's all brought to you by University Traditions. Uh, they know that most sports fans are looking for clothing that you can wear anywhere, but also gives a nod to your favorite sports team and homegrown roots. That passion and inspiration led us and them together. We decided to partner. So uh, because of that partnership, if you guys want to head on over to University Traditions' website, you can head over to their social media page as well. They're actually taking feedback on some new designs right now, fellas. I don't know if you saw the Ole Miss or the uh, the Mississippi Mississippi flag preview. Yeah, that Magnolia say. State one. It was baller. It was I awesome. would love to see more like that. Uh, you can head over to their website, load up your cart, and you can use code 3TECH15. That's 3TECH15 at checkout. It gets you 15% off your entire order. Tell them that the 3TECH pod sent you over there and uh, get yourself some of the best hats that you've ever seen. There's certainly some of the best hats on the market. You guys are both wearing versions of the College Station collection right now. We did not call each other before this, but (laughs) we we did end up doing that. Uh, uh, You know, probably probably good for those of you watching on YouTube um, that we do not coordinate. You can see if if you're watching on YouTube, I just rolled in from the office. I was so excited to get to recording this podcast. We didn't even have a chance to change. Classing Um, up the joint a little bit. I love it. He just felt like outdoing us because, you know, that's just kind of how Mitch rolls sometimes. <laughs> I don't I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> Guys, uh, talking about trying to outdo each other, let's get into the first topic today. Uh, EA College Football, the video game, is in some serious trouble. The Brandar group has a little bit of maybe vindictive ex-girlfriend syndrome going on. Um, if you haven't heard the news by now, by the time you're listening and or watching this, the Brandar group is now suing uh, EA Sports, basically alleging that EA is trying to go around their licensing agreements to establish deals with players to get their likeness in the game. 
Um, the the backdrop of this is is very complicated, and I'll, I'll try and make it as short as I can. Essentially, the Brandar Group, when NIL first became a thing, went to Division One universities and said, "Hey, we want to kind of form a licensing collective, one big group where we're the uh, where then we negotiate." your rights, your licensing on behalf of you. So if you're a home field apparel fan, think uh, if, if home field was to go to a new university, if they were inside that Brandar group collective, then the Brandar group would do the negotiating for their licensing rights on their behalf, right? And one of the big goals here was to create a college football game, have the process be extremely simplified and also lucrative for the agency but instead of EA having to deal with every single one of these universities, they go to a group like the Brandar Group, bam, there's an agreement. They've got 54 universities signed off and on board to have all of their licensing rights in the game for, of course, a substantial fee. Well, the issue with all of that per front office sports is EA College Football actually didn't go with the Brandar Group as their primary licensing uh, agency. They went with another one called One Team Partners to help facilitate group licensing deals with athletes. Now, I don't know the exact ramifications of this. There was a official court filing in the state of California today um, where the Brandar Group, like I said, is alleging that EA is violating their contract by going around their licensing purview and trying to negotiate either with athletes directly or or a group of athletes outside of their jurisdiction. A lot of legal jargon. What it does mean, though, is I think the case and the reality of getting this college football game in 2024, it's already been delayed once. I think it's on very shaky ground, um, and I would love your your input here on this. Like, How miserable does that make you as a fan of the franchise? Well, wasn't this the point of us getting NIL in the first place was that we could get this game back? And I, I know that the players, you know, getting their money and getting paid for their likeness, that was a whole part of it too. I get that. But like the massive groundswell of support behind this in the college football community as a whole, a lot of that had to do with getting this game back. And I'm not shocked that EA seems like they're kind of cutting corners and maybe doing things their own way and maybe not quite being 100% above board with what they're doing. And, and I don't know, you know, how that works. And if, you know, if Brandar has the exclusives on all that, or if they'll even be able to like prove that in court based on contracts, whatever else, since everything is so new, there's probably not a whole lot of precedent here. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm really disappointed that they couldn't do this the right way. They know that as soon as they put this game out, that you're going to have, you know, hundreds of thousands of people ready to buy this game and this is going to be a thing where, you know, this game's going to make them a lot of money right off the rip. And and just the fact that they can't get it together, they, they can't seem to, to do things the right way, all come to an agreement on stuff. Even if you got to pay a little bit more out of pocket on the front end, like I, I, I'm just real disappointed in, in EA and all the kind of parties involved that got to this point where now, yeah, like you're probably right. It's probably going to get delayed because you can't publish a video game, collect all that money. And then after the fact, try to settle all that in court. There's too much with damages and perspectives and everything else. Like you have to settle this before you put the game out. It does seem like EA definitely got caught not crossing their T's and dotting their I's here yeah. uh, before everything was signed, sealed, and delivered. But we're also seems like we're dealing with, and we were talking about this in our group text before hopping on today, pretty much the ultimate middleman, right? It seems like EA wants this to happen. The players want this to happen the fans of the video game franchise obviously want this to happen. The schools want this to happen and they've been working with EA directly. We just have a middleman that's not getting their cut. And look, obviously contracts are signed for a reason. Contractual obligations are a big deal, but it's the ultimate situation where a middleman is getting in the way of something that both parties on either end want. And, you know, without getting into a huge rant, the American court system is not the most efficient uh system on <laughs> planet earth and so we're probably not going to be hearing a final answer on this for quite some time there's definitely bigger priorities for the american court system than whether or not people can play a video game so yeah i i am very disappointed with this news i'm very sad to hear this news i uh, i feel like my nca 14 copy is probably at an all-time resale value right now if you're interested hit my dms <laughs> and we'll talk but 
listen, it, it is a sad day for people that are fans of this franchise. And especially as someone like me personally, I really couldn't care less if the actual players are on the game or not. As someone who primarily plays Dynasty, like, yes, I want the players to get a cut. I want them to get to see themselves. We never had the real players um, in the original EA games, and that didn't take away from their greatness, right? Like, obviously, you know you're playing as Johnny Manziel on NCAA 14 if you're playing as AM, but you're really playing as QB number two. That just happens to be six foot two from Kerrville, Texas, right? <laughs> but... That, that And the way that I play the game is mostly dynasty oriented. I'm not going to have those kids actually playing with after four years on that dynasty mode anyways. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we could spend a lot more time on this fellas, but it is a really, really sad day and really sad news to come out today. Well, in, in the bottom line, so part of the uh, official court filing, the Brandar group is alleging that EA is committing, quote, tortious interference, end quote, which I'd never heard that word. Um, well, if you followed realignment it. long enough, that that's a very fun buzzword <laughs> for the realignment folks. Yeah, so um, essentially they're saying, you know, they're, they're, going, they're going behind our backs or around our reach. Um, they're not allowing us to negotiate on a per-athlete basis at the schools we represent, They've issued one blank statement. Hey, opt into this program. You get $500, no royalties, but you do get to be in the game, right? Um, and trade, like what you said, for the vast majority of players, that's enough. You've had players on Twitter even say, hey, I don't need the $500. Just put me in the game. And I'm going to make myself a 99 overall and play as myself, right? So um, it, it does kind of have whiffs of, um, of you know, baseball dads arguing at each other while the little league game is going on. Um, just big, let the kids play energy, but it, it is what it is when you talk about the almighty dollar and, and how much money stands to be made over this game. I mean, this game will be, if it's allowed to go through the, I think the best selling game, maybe in video game history. Now there's a lot of people that aren't sports fans that might not buy that. Maybe it's just, maybe I'm too close to it. This is the most anticipated game of my lifetime. Um, but still it, it will do incredibly large numbers and, you know, there are agencies that are, are going to do everything that they can to make sure they get their cut of that. So, you know, watch this space. We'll continue to report on it as, as we get more news. Um, you know, this broke just a couple of hours ago as we're recording this podcast. So it is fresh information, a lot still to come out, a lot still to, uh, to digest, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Speaking of fresh information, the Florida Gators are on an absolute heater, fellas. Uh, six commits in the last 48 hours. Uh, Billy, scared money, don't make money, Napier, <laughs> is rolling the dice down in Gainesville, and, and things are coming up all Gators right now. Six commitments that are not nobodies. They're not all five stars, but I think there's only one three-star in that, that mix. So it's five blue-chip prospects. What's your temperature on the Gators going in? There's a lot of, you know, questions about how they're going to perform on the field. Is 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 Graham Mertz the guy? Is their defense going to stand up to uh, a, a tough SEC schedule? But Napier, despite the the rumors that he's on the hot seat, he's recruiting his butt off right now. Yeah, currently the third-ranked 2024 class. He's certainly getting the new coach bump at Florida that you usually see at programs uh, as coaches are entering their second year at that stop. So the future looks really bright if Napier is able to stay around and if he's able to earn the right to stay around, because I'm really concerned about the here and now for Florida. And I love how Josh Pate put this this weekend as kind of this heater was developing. Even Florida's own fans go back and forth between calling him Sunbelt Billy and four star Billy, right? Yeah. Like they, they cannot pick a lane with how they feel about Billy Napier and not just Florida, but the SEC in general is known for its fickle fan bases. It's a very win now or else league. And I'm concerned looking at their over under for this year. I think it's set at what five over under 
squarely at five. So Vegas expects him to miss a bowl game this year oh. after having a really lackluster introductory season. It's not going to go over well with the faithful. Now, a number three recruiting class, if he can hold on to it, that can buy you a lot of good grace. That can buy you some time for the future. But yeah, I mean, I he's certainly selling the future. He's certainly selling playing time. They have a lot to be excited about in the future. But I just don't know that Billy Napier is going to be around to get to see the fruits of his labor. Well, and it makes sense that they would be so up and down because, you know, he's kind of had an up and down tenure so far, right? There was some hype around the program. And then obviously this last season didn't go very well for them. Obviously, you know, they got the recruiting momentum right now, but those kids are going to be the ones walking into that death schedule that we've talked about. Yeah. That, that their freshman year is going to be, wait, what's our off game? Do we have an off game? <laughs> and, and, you know, they're, they're going to have to kind of weather that storm and, you know, doesn't matter how good your freshman class is they're still going to be freshmen and they're still going to play like freshmen at times. And when you have to play a crazy difficult schedule, that's not going to make your life easier. That's not going to make it easier to transition to the college game. Um, That's assuming that in this new era of college football, that they don't have either a mass exodus, which could happen if this year doesn't go very well, right? You can see a lot of guys leaving the program because they feel like maybe this class is too good coming in. They're going to take your spot. This isn't even a very good team anyways. I don't care. Or it could go the total other way. Like if they win a few games, they maybe shouldn't maybe find a way to snag a game against, you know, like a, like a Tennessee or maybe upset Georgia or something like that. That could go a long way in getting people's attention in the portal. And maybe next year we're talking about, yeah, it's crazy schedule, but look who they got to transfer over. Oh my gosh. They got, this quarterback and this star wide receiver and this big time defensive end or whatever that they could be doing that in a year. And, and modern college football, it's hard to tell where a team's going to be. The one thing, you know, for sure is they need to win now. Cause if they don't win now, Napier is going to be on the hot seat because again, like you said, Trey, it's just a weird environment in the sec. You have a couple bad seasons and all of a sudden your program is ready to turn on you. They're ready to flip you in Florida, especially I feel like, they turn on their coaches real quick. It feels like, you know, you you have a, a, a couple of bad seasons in a row and you don't say the right thing at a press conference and all of a sudden you're looking for a new job. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see where this one goes. But you'd much rather be in the situation you are now where you've got such a good recruiting class coming in as opposed to, well, we're looking at maybe winning five games this year and we don't have a good recruiting class coming in for that insane 2024 season. It's hard to blame Gators fans totally because as apathetic as Dan Mullen was towards the stretch end of that, I mean, like literally just forgoing recruiting um, and not really seeming to care that they were getting blown out to end that season. I, I can understand kind of the sentiment that, hey, this should be an elite program. We've won national championships. We've been at the top. Why aren't we still there? Um you talked about the death schedule of 2024. We talked about that in our last episode, Trey. If you didn't hear that, maybe after this one, um, head on over to YouTube. We've got a segment, a, a video clip specifically dedicated to that if you don't want to listen to the full podcast. Um, 2024 is going to be brutal. There's not a single stretch where it's like, all right, here's where we make our hay. Here's where we get our momentum. The 2023 schedule isn't isn't that. There are certainly going to be very winnable games. I'm looking at you know, road games against Kentucky. Obviously, they've got uh, McNeese, Charlotte early in September, Vanderbilt to start October and their homecoming game. But then down the stretch, they they open with Utah. They play uh, Tennessee in week three. And then their stretch run, their last six games, the back half of that season at South Carolina versus Georgia in the cocktail game uh, versus Arkansas at LSU at Missouri. I don't think that's going to be an easy place to play. They, had, they didn't beat them last year. And versus Florida State. So that over-under of five seems like it could be pretty accurate. That um, stretch right there sounds like two wins max. So what you know, you're gonna need you're gonna need Graham Mertz to be the guy. You're gonna need him to be yeah. the guy. He hadn't shown us that ability other than that, you know, a, a glimpse here and there at Wisconsin. He's gonna have to turn it on and keep that switch uh turned on if Florida's gonna win bunch of games you know a great recruiting class certainly helps but at the end of the day you're paying this guy to get results on the field not rack up recruiting stars you know on the 247 message board so let us know what you think about florida if they're for real if that recruiting class is going to hold certainly one of the best heaters 
um, of all time when it comes to recruiting. Uh, guys, also have to mention as we make the transition over to the spoilers and soilers, want to let you know that in collaboration with our friends at the Transfer Portal CFB, we're preparing to release our 2023 College Football Preview Magazine. We're really excited about that. Unlike other popular magazines you can buy, our preview has an in-depth preview of every single FBS team, including analysis, projections, recruiting nuggets, and more. We've got exclusive interviews with stars like Grace McCall from Coastal Carolina and Keaton Slovis, formerly of Pitt, formerly of USC, now at BYU. Uh, they give us their exclusive interviews uh, this offseason. Plus, you've got contributions from the Sickos Committee. Of course, yours truly, uh, the 3Tech Pod, did some writing for this. The best part of it, though, guys, it's available for literally a third of the price that you're going to see most other preview magazines out there. You can get your copy on the Transfer Portal CFB website or their social media on July 5th for just $9.99. The value is unreal, guys, and I'm really, really excited. It's, it's been fun writing. I'm excited to get the finished product because the preview that, that Dylan tweeted out uh, the other day on the Transfer Portal um, Twitter account looks incredible. Yeah, it, can't say it enough. We are so excited to get this out there. And can't wait to hear your feedback on it as well, because we're uh, the fruits of our labor are really important to us. And we're really excited to hear what you guys think. Yeah, this thing looks amazing. You guys are going to want to check this one out. I had a lot of fun working on it. I know you guys really enjoyed working on it as well. And uh, yeah, we're just really excited to be a part of it and uh, to see what this looks like when it comes out. July 5th is the first day that it's available again on the website or the social media is where you can get those ordered. Gentlemen, let's dive into uh, the first edition of Spoilers and Soilers for the 2023 season. Which team is going to ruin your college football team season? Which college football teams are going to massively underachieve on their expectations? Let's start with uh, a, a spoiler, and I'll, I'll let one of you guys pick where you want to go here. We've each got two of, of each category here. Where should we lead off here? First team, got to make a good impression. Who is, who's your lead spoiler? Trey, you look like you're ready to go. I'm ready to go, man. And it's a team that we have talked about quite a bit already this offseason. Going with the Wisconsin Badgers. Um, you know, for so long, we've looked at Wisconsin as a three yards and a cloud of dust offense, a very plodding team. They're very good at what they did a lot of years. They were able to win 10 games, 11 games sometimes a year with their very slow, methodical offense based on an elite running back and a really, really good defense. Now, they're still going to have an elite running back in Braylon Allen, but they are modernizing that offense um, with Phil Longo coming in as the offensive coordinator. And, oh yeah, they also added one of the most prolific passers in the entire FBS in Tanner Mordecai, who's thrown for over 7,000 yards in his career. So, offensively, guys, <laughs> yeah, I... Is the Big Ten West ready for what Wisconsin is about to throw out to them this year? I don't think so. It's going to be speed. It's going to be quick hitting pass. We saw how much trouble Purdue gave the Big Ten West last year with yep. their offense. And I think Wisconsin's going to be running a better offense with better, more talented players this year. So defensively, I mean, you know, if Braylon Allen as a running back who could be a dark horse Heisman candidate, Tanner Mordecai, if he puts up numbers like I think he can, and a bigger spotlight at Wisconsin could be a dark horse Heisman candidate. I don't think that that um, is having is speaking with too much hyperbole. They've got a really interesting schedule. The way that it sets up, a lot of their tougher games are at home. They do travel to Washington State out of conference, but Ohio State, their toughest conference game, that's at Camp Randall. It's going to be rocking on that last Saturday in October. And then other than that, it's the Big Ten West, which I know we joke about the Shadow Realm. And their other crossover opponents are Rutgers and Indiana. So not the most tough schedule. I mean, looking at it, I think 10, they're over under, their Vegas over under, as I'm pulling it up right now, is eight and a half. I think I'm smashing that over right now and doing it with a lot of confidence. But Trey, where's the first week that Wisconsin can trip up? Buffalo, Washington State, Georgia Southern, Purdue, Rutgers, Iowa, are their first six offerings? You have them going six and zero. Oh? I think that's not out of the question. I think you know it's really tough when you have a new coaching staff coming in that wants to implement a lot of stuff, but their quarterback has run a really similar offense 
his entire career, whether that's at Oklahoma or SMU. So that's going to ease those growing pains a lot. That trip to uh, Pullman is going to be really tricky in week two. That's a Saturday night primetime game. Pullman's going to be ready for that one. If they can get by that one, I don't see them losing another game until the Ohio State game. Wait, you're, you're telling me that Washington State game's not on the CW right now? It is, is it not. It is for now <laughs> that Pac-12 contract has it on ABC on Saturday okay. night. So, well, you know that, that eases <laughs> that eases my fears. I was, you know, I'd rather I'd rather keep my blue bloods over on my blue bloods channel and my college football, my college football channel. So that's good news. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look for this year, Wisconsin. I think has a very clear path to Indianapolis, whether or not they can be the first big 10 West team to actually win that championship game that remains to be seen. But in this last year that we have the two divisions, I think they have a very clear path. Well, and I was going to say in terms of spoilers, they sound like they could be real ready to, to ruin an Ohio state season who, yeah. you know, they're going to be bringing a somewhat green quarterback into that game. It's uh, camp Randall's a tough place to play on the road. Anyways. Yep. Um, you know, it, it'll, it, it always seems like Ohio state has trouble with like one, maybe two games on the road where it looks like, you know what, maybe they're not going to quite pull this one out or, or sometimes even getting upset on the road. I might circle that one as a, uh Oh, look out. Gotta, gotta be a little bit wary of where this one's going to go. Cause uh, yeah, I, I think that's a, in terms of the shadow realm, that's as stable of a team as you could expect in the shadow realm right now. Absolutely. I'm, I'm and curious I think, how they, sorry, Trey, I'm, I'm oh. curious how they survive kind of the, the middle part of their schedule mm-hmm. versus Rutgers on homecoming, which I wrote the Rutgers preview for the preview magazine. I don't think the Scarlet Knights are going to be terrible this year. Um, no, they need they their defense. Yeah. They, they need the defense to, to step up, but uh, or I'm sorry, they need the offense to step up. The defense was actually fine last year. They just didn't get any sort of consistent quarterback play, and injuries had a, a big deal to do with that. But you've got Rutgers um, to start October for homecoming versus Iowa. Then I wonder if maybe there's a sleepy sleepy third week in October against uh, Illinois. That game is scheduled to either be, be at 11 or the early afternoon kick. So, you know, maybe you've got Ohio State the next week. Maybe the Badgers trip up, but... Yeah, there's. I really like the makeup of this team. It'll be interesting to see what that defense looks like without Jim Leonard um, coaching on that sideline. That was obviously a, a big loss for the Badgers after he didn't get the head coaching job. He kind of kind of left, you know, feeling like his shoulders were slumped a little bit. So I'm curious there, but I do I do think Wisconsin could be very very dangerous this season. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I agree with the concerns, especially about Illinois. I think that Illinois is going to be a really sneakily good team this year. And Iowa's going to be a stout defense like they always are. But again, these defenses in the Big Ten, I just don't know that they're ready for what Phil Longo and Tanner Mordecai are going to throw at them. You add in Braylon Allen, who can be a bruiser when you need him to, and they still have a lot of offensive line talent. They, they're kind of combining the best of both worlds in my mind. And I think it's going to be really scary for the Big Ten this year. The, the uh, practice during game week leading up to playing Wisconsin, just all sprints, all, all, <laughs> all suicides from sideline to sideline, just nothing but conditioning. Get ready, boys. We're going to have to sprint. Um, great pick. Great pick. Wisconsin's certainly a dangerous team. Uh, Garrett, let's go through your first spoiler. Who are you picking to ruin somebody's season this year? Well, Look, before I get accused of being a homer because of the hat on my head and some of my background, I want to point out that we are not Aggie homers on this podcast. We are Longhorn homers. Okay, to to check our Twitter, you can verify that for sure. Uh, But no, I am picking Texas A&M to be a spoiler this year. Um, Look, last year, not the way A&M fans wanted it to go. Um, I don't think anybody really saw that coming. Josh Pate had them as like, you know, bust proof last year. And he said that was one of his worst takes the last year um, because clearly the Aggies busted. You know, you have multiple players out for injury, the drama with the freshman class, lots of issues, obviously. Um, this year, I think that they're in a prime position to kind of return to where they should be and kind of where they were going as a program. That's not to say that they're going to necessarily compete for the SEC, Not probably not going to compete for the SEC West, but – Looking at the schedule and the way everything lines up for them, Texas A&M plays two true road games before November. 
There are only two games where they really go on the road. They go to Miami and they go to Tennessee. Now, Miami, who knows what they're going to look like. Tennessee, they were pretty good last year. They probably going to be good this year. Who knows what they're going to do regressing after, you know, Hennon Hooker leaves, after Jalen Hyatt leaves. But, you know, there's a couple of teams on this schedule in the middle of that home stretch that are going to have to circle this game. Uh, And the first one's going to be Alabama on that list. Alabama's got to circle this game. Last time they went to College Station, they lost. Um, And, and, you know, again, kind of the same thing I was just saying with Ohio State. Going to be breaking in a new quarterback. It's tough to break in a new quarterback on the road. You know, if it's, you know, beginning of October and Alabama's not taking it too serious with A&M, they could be walking out with a loss and see their season derailed. Other than that, we saw what A&M did last season to kind of derail LSU playoff hopes. Um, There's a couple other teams on this that, you know, you're looking at maybe a South Carolina or, again, a Tennessee. Look, A&M may not compete for the whole thing, but if you think that they're not going to knock one of these teams out of contention for the SEC, out of contention for a playoff, you got another thing coming to you because this team, I've watched this team for, you know, several years now. This team always seems to come up with one or two games a season where they jump up and grab somebody they have no business jumping up and grabbing. Uh, this year, you know, we could be looking at that with the Bama and LSU once again. I think AM could fall in either of these categories, honestly, spoiler <laughs> or spoiler. Um, but you're absolutely right. They're going to have a ton of opportunities to derail some serious playoff contender seasons, starting with that Alabama game. Alabama and Tennessee back-to-back is absolutely brutal. Um, I can't imagine how the team is going to navigate that, especially if they win that Alabama game then have to travel to a rowdy Knoxville the immediately the following week. But there's just a ton of opportunities, right? It's And I think they're catching a lot of teams this year as maybe their first big test game, right? Like I think Alabama has Texas at home on week two, but I, this is the first big road game for the Crimson Tide, if I'm remembering that correctly. And we'll, we'll jump into Alabama a little bit later, but um, Tennessee, same thing. This is a big first test for them. A lot of these teams are going to be tested by AM. AM's pass rush is going to be a problem for a lot of offensive lines this year. Whether or not they can score points, that's going to definitely remain to be seen. If Bobby Petrino can come in and work some magic there, this could be a really scary team. But what we do know is defensively, the Aggies are going to be in games, right? That was, The problem mm-hmm. wasn't getting blown out last year. The problem was the defense was keeping them in games for the most part and the offense just couldn't keep up scoring points. There were a couple outliers there throughout the schedule, Mississippi State, Florida in particular, but a lot of the other games, the problem was just they couldn't put points on the board. So if AM can put points on the board just marginally better than last year, they're going to be a problem for a lot of teams. I think I'm so torn because, like you're saying, AM has the talent to be a 10-2 team to – jump up and bite somebody, but because we don't know truly what the offense is going to look like, and and there are plenty of reasons to to think that AM's offense will not only take a step forward, but but could be like a top 40 offense. When you look at at what Bobby Petrino's been able to do, the talent that he has available, and yet it's Texas AM. And so I find myself waiting to, you know, to cast judgment um, until I absolutely have to. There's no doubt this team should be able to compete from a from a blue chip perspective, from a returning production perspective. I mean, the Ags are going to be favored in those categories on almost every single team that they play, um, really other than Alabama. So they should, they should, they should be a spoiler this year. Um, we'll just have to wait and see, but I do like, I do think the Ags are being slept on this year after what was such a terrible year in 2022. Jimbo's got to turn around, right? Jimbo's got to got a fire under him. Um, otherwise, these rumors of him being on the hot seat will start to actually be true. Yeah. So, um, you know, we'll wait and see for the Ags, and you know, some of us are going to root for them, and some of them are going to root against it, and that's okay. <laughs> Guys, I'm going to take us up to Columbia, Missouri, for my first spoiler. I think the Missouri Tigers have a chance to be actually pretty special this year. Uh, Eli Drinkwitz, look, he's he's kind of comical to watch uh, speak on, you know, in his post-game pressers. He's kind of funny on social media. Uh, he's, he's like, to me, he wants to be Lane Kiffin, but he's not 
he hasn't reached that that status yet. He doesn't have the skins on the wall that Lane Kiffin does. Uh, but maybe he gets one this year because I think the Missouri Tigers are a team that can challenge the nine-win threshold. Uh, they're over-under, according to DraftKings, is six and a half. I'm not saying they get to nine wins necessarily, although when we get to the preview season, maybe I will. But right now, I would certainly lean towards the over. Um, Missouri's offense should be really good. That was not a problem for them last year. They were able to throw the ball. They were able to run it. They've got a little bit of a quarterback controversy this year between Brady Cook and Jake Garcia, who comes in from Miami. Um, The defense, though, has been what has just crushed Tiger hopes the last several years. At one point, they were a, a historically bad defense. You could get whatever you wanted on them through the air, on the ground. It did not matter. They were not stopping you on your on your way to the goal line. That's changed, though. And Missouri now actually has uh, one of the better front sevens, I think, uh, in the country. It's, it's kind of tough to say they do in the Southeastern Conference because so many of the teams in the SEC are, are the best in the country. Uh, but they're going to be very, very competitive. They're not going to be getting blown off the ball week in, week out. They've got one of the best linebacking duos in all of college football as well. There's a lot of returning production for this defense that I that you know, let's be honest, took their lumps over the last couple seasons. They improved last year on what was a horrific 2021. And guys, this schedule is very workable. I mean, you got South Dakota and Middle Tennessee to start. You should be a very comfy two and zero. You got Kansas State in the Man I Love Farming special, uh, which is ironic because it's Ag Day in uh, in Columbia that day. Uh, okay. You play Memphis. You play Vanderbilt. You don't have a true a true blue blood test. I'm not writing off Kansas State. I, I think Kansas State has a chance to be pretty good again this year. But you don't have a team that you're like, you know, they're probably going to lose that game until October the 7th when they host LSU. Um, then they play Kentucky. They play South Carolina, Georgia, Tennessee, Florida, Arkansas. I'm not saying that this is a 10-win team. Like, some people legitimately are. Just go search Missouri on Twitter, and you're going to find some really fun takes. Shout out, Dan, um, for the Missouri Tigers. But what I am saying is this is a veteran team that has stacked a lot of a lot of really talented recruits over the last few years. I'll tell you this. I think if you're South Carolina, end of October, maybe have some injuries, uh, you're going to Columbia, not an easy place to to play, as Georgia found out or nearly found out last year. I think you're looking at Florida and Arkansas to finish out this regular season. We don't know what Florida is going to be. A lot of people are high on Arkansas. I'm not this year, so I actually kind of tend to lean the Tigers maybe in this season finale, but I would not be shocked if I look up on ESPN a couple times during the season and the Missouri Tigers have have come out and they've they've stunned somebody at home they've earned a scrappy win on the road and this Missouri team finds a way to go eight and four I I think they will jump up and get somebody and if you're talking about them in a spoiler sense as jumping up and getting somebody that's that's a very real possibility and even probability because we've seen Drinkowitz do that a lot throughout his tenure at uh at Missouri so yeah, whether that's South Carolina, whether that's Florida, whether that's one of the big two in the East, Georgia and Tennessee, Kentucky, they, they will jump up and get somebody that they're not favored to beat. I am really concerned about that Kansas State game right off the bat yeah. and the possible tone that might set for the season. I know Kansas State is replacing some key contributors, Deuce Vaughn in particular, but Kansas State beat them by four scores in Manhattan last year. So I'm not super confident. I know Missouri was a different team down the stretch last year than they were to start the year. They really rallied to make a bowl game, but man, the schedule just seems really difficult to navigate. Kansas state is a tough out of conference game. LSU is a just nearly impossible draw draw out of the West to go along with their permanent rival, Arkansas, and they have to travel to Georgia. So not, not that they would be Georgia at home, but just going into Georgia then following that up immediately by uh, hosting Tennessee and Florida at home. That's just a really tough sequence to get by for Mizzou. They'll, they'll probably make a bowl game because that's what Eli Drinkowitz has done. He has been really good at rallying his teams to make a bowl game. And with the talent he's had at Mizzou, that's a really, really good coaching job that he's done the last couple of years. But 
I, I, I hesitate to think that they'll do more than that. I, they could jump up and get somebody, but I think anything more than that might be asking too much of this bunch this year. Yeah, that Kansas State game is going to be pretty tough. And, you know, a reminder, they will be replacing Deuce Vaughn with DJ Giddens, who has been performing exceptionally on our YouTube channel and probably in spring ball as well. Um, but we'll, we'll leave that aside for now. Um, I do like this pick, though, Mitch. I think that this is a, a pretty good pick here for a, a spoiler team, not just because, yeah, they almost did it last year with Georgia. Um, they almost ruined their season real quick uh, on, a, on a stupid night where Georgia probably didn't come out with anything close to their A game. Um, but in addition to that, I, I do think that anytime you have a team like Missouri where you've got a couple of real playmakers, looking at Luther Burden in particular, um, anytime you have playmakers like that, all it takes is one of those guys going off and having a real special game. And you're talking about a really, really good season. And you're talking about, you know, maybe finding some mojo that you didn't have. Um, you know, we, we've seen that happen at times where it just seems like a guy gets possessed and it, he just can't be stopped. He he's on an absolute heater. He's just, he's, he's uncoverable, right. Or he's untouchable. And, and I think that, you know, Mizzou has a couple guys who could do that, um, I, I've been huge on Luther Burden for a very long time, obviously mentioned him yep. there. He's going to have his second year. Um, and, and I think with a little bit better quarterback play, um, he could be real special this year. And yeah, I think they could go knocks people off. I'm not going to pick him to beat Georgia in Athens, but Tennessee better watch out heading over to, uh, Missouri when, when they hit them on the road, they, they better watch out or else they're going to be, you know, maybe on a little bit of a, a falling you know, situation where may, they might not be, you know, recapturing some of the magic they had just a year ago. I'm excited about Missouri. I think it's another dynamic piece in the SEC East. Um, yeah, should be really entertaining. Guys, let's let's flip it around and go through these remaining spoilers very quickly here. I'm going to lead with Texas Tech here just because I don't think I have to spend a lot of time on them. They're not, it's not a surprise pick, right? Texas Tech is gaining a whole lot of momentum. If you follow recruiting, they're now the favorites to land five-star wide receiver Micah Hudson here in the state of Texas, the best wide receiver in the class of 2024. They're going to pluck him right out of the backyard of Texas and Texas A&M from what it seems like. So Joey McGuire is on fire right now. The reason why I'm going to pick them to be a spoiler is honestly for one game and one game only. I'm going to pick the Red Raiders to beat Oregon September 9th Saturday at 6 p.m. Uh, the Jones is going to be rocking. Lubbock is a hostile place on a Saturday night in the fall. And now that they have some mojo, as long as they don't find a way to lose to Wyoming, which is at Wyoming, strangely enough, in that opener, and as long as Tyler Shuck stays healthy, this Red Raiders team is ready to go. Now, I, I totally understand their defense lost a couple of key contributors from last season. I get that. Tyree Wilson not being... Uh, coming off the edge, it's going to hurt. It's going to it's gonna take a little bit to to replace that. But their secondary is a veteran secondary, and this is not the Texas Tech of of old. This is not your dad's Red Raiders team or my dad's Red Raiders team in, in my case. Uh, this team can play defense. I think they're going to give Oregon all they can handle, and that is a tough assignment for the Ducks, for Bo Nix and the Ducks, week two of the regular season where we really start to see the rubber hit the road. So I don't know that... The Big 12 runs through Lubbock quite yet, but I tell you what, Zach Kitley and that offense, they've got me fired up. They've got me believing. I'll take the Red Raiders as my second spoiler. So just to make sure I understand the narrative here real quick, this is the first home game this season for Texas Tech is versus Oregon? Correct. Correct. So you're telling me that these fans are going to have to sit on the fact that they just smoked an SEC team in their bowl game Follow that up with, you know, probably some fun to to start the regular season because I can't imagine anything bad happening in Wyoming for them. Not to put the jinx on them, I just I can't imagine how that goes poorly for the Red Raiders. Wyoming could be plucky this year, but I think Tech will handle them. They could. Um, could be. <laughs> all that to come home an and their first home game since, you know, what they was their last home game when they beat Oklahoma and did that. Was that their last home I, game last I think year? So yeah, it was. Like, yeah. They, they are going to be on fire in Lubbock. That I, it's going to be a bad day to be a duck. It's, I, I don't know that I'm going to go as far to pick them to lose, but they are on upset watch, and that's that's a really heated upset watch. I like the pick. I think it's fun. Um, I, I, I think Texas Tech is absolutely crushing it right now. 
We love the Raiders on this podcast. Had a guy on a YouTube comment recently, you know, try to come at us for not putting Shuck in our top five quarterbacks. I'm like, he could be a top three quarterback in the Big 12 by the time healthy. the season's over. We just hadn't seen anything yet. Yeah, so. he's, he's going to stay healthy. That's my issue. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the only thing I'll say about that Wyoming game is you never want to mess around playing at 7,200 feet in elevation. Like that. <laughs> that's... Texas boys sometimes don't acclimate that well to that. So be on the lookout for that. If they can get through the first quarter, they'll probably be fine. But listen, the way the tech schedule sets up this year, they're going to have so many opportunities to take off the big dogs of the big 12 or Oregon. Like you guys are saying at home, right? Oregon's at home, Kansas state's at home, TCU's at home. The only, you know, there's going to be some tricky road games. Like West Virginia is never an easy place to play. Baylor, if they can figure out their offense. BYU, if they can figure out their defense, right? <laughs> um, and uh, Kansas is the other one. That could be just a crazy shootout game up in Lawrence. But well, in Texas to finish the regular season. That's that's, that's kind of what I was building to. I think this is yeah. all gonna this is all gonna boil down to if you can end the Longhorns' final run through the big 12 and possibly knock them out of the big 12 conference championship game, take away the chance for the Longhorns to say that they won their final big 12 season and finally got another big 12 championship. That is the ultimate spoiler opportunity. Yeah. And if you think Joey Mack is not going to have his guys ready for that game, even if the rest of that season hasn't gone up to their expectations, I think it will. I think tech, when I was running through some projections for this year, just some early quick through, let's see what we get. I had tech towards the top of the big 12 and in the top two. So I think that season's going to go well, even if it doesn't, if you think for one second, Joey Mack is not going to have his guys ready for that game in particular, as Texas exits the big 12, you got, you, you don't know what you're talking about because that they're going to be fired up for that game to, for the chance to play the ultimate spoiler. Yeah, over under for the Red Raiders this year, according to DraftKings, seven and a half. Hammer the and over. Def- definitely leaning <laughs> the over here. Imagine, imagine if that final game is for a spot in Arlington. Fun, fun way to, to finish out that yep. uh, that regular season. Uh, Garrett, you're up next. Take us through your final spoiler for uh, tonight's episode. Yeah, my final spoiler is I'm going to go out to the Big Ten uh, and I'm going to pick the Maryland Terrapins now. That might be a little bit of a surprise for a lot of people. I did write the preview for this team. So if you're, you know, maybe a little bit surprised by this or you want to hear my full thoughts, go grab that preview magazine when it comes out in a couple weeks. But really, there's just a few reasons why I'm picking Maryland in this spot. Uh, number one, I think that they're going to really ruin somebody's season. Uh, they're over under right now is seven, and I can't see any way where they really finish under that number seven. Um, I, I think that they're almost a lock to not just make a bowl game, but make a pretty solid bowl game. Um, but really, this comes down to the fact that Talia Tagovailoa is one of the best quarterbacks, I think, in the country, best in the Big Ten, according to our list that we made a few weeks ago. Um, and, and I think definitely one of the more talented quarterbacks across this country, very underappreciated. Go look up some of his stats as well. He's he's lighting the world on fire the last couple of years. He's just doing it for the Maryland Terrapins and not getting the media coverage on it. Um, but when you talk about a spoiler, when I thought about this episode and I thought about who's going to spoil a season, I thought Maryland's a surefire lock on this one. They play Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan. Those are three teams that a lot of people think could make a playoff, could end up you know, winning the Big Ten, making a playoff. All three of those teams are, are very highly thought about. You know, the, the Penn State and Indy Lions, big dark horse team for a lot of people across this nation in the preseason. Um, they play Ohio State for their, I think it's the sixth game of the season, um, early in October. And I think that they'll probably end up being 5-0 and when they walk into Columbus to play that game. But then they play Penn State and Michigan at the end of the season at home. And I think if you were to ask me, are they going to go 0-3 in those games? Or are they going to not go 0-3 and just knock off one of them? I think there's a really good chance that Maryland's going to knock off one of those teams. I I couldn't tell you which one right now, but I just think law of averages, you give them three shots at some of these top teams. I think they're ruining somebody's season. I think that the Maryland Terrapins will be somewhat of a cursed name in the big 10 this year, because I think that they're going to ruin some playoff hopes. I think that they're going to ruin some chances for teams to end up heading to Indianapolis. And and though I don't think that they're going to compete for the big 10 title this year, I don't think that that's where they are. 
I do think that they're going to make somebody very, very unhappy. Uh, and I, I think Talia is a huge reason why. They've got a really solid team around him, surprisingly good running backs, and and I think they're a really good team prime to mess somebody's season up. It's very possible. Uh, that's always the barrier that Maryland has had since the divisions have been implemented, since they got put in the East. Can they knock off one or more of the big three? And more often than not, the answer has been no. I, I think the last time they did that was during the COVID season. I think yeah, we I talked about that, that um, a couple episodes ago, Garrett. But yeah, I mean, if, if it's ever going to happen, it's going to be this year, right? It's with Talia and probably his final year at Maryland, he's looked really good. Hopefully he's finally mm-hmm. healthy. He struggled with a lot of injuries last year. If they can get him going, if they can keep the offense where it is and just step up the defense a little bit, I think that, yeah, you're absolutely right. They could be really spoiling someone's season this year, especially one of those big three. I, I would love to see Miami be good. I mean, you know, we've talked about it in the past. It was, what, two years ago? They were on fire. It felt like, gosh, this is this is the year. This is they're going to be a team that we remember. And then they got throttled by Iowa, and it wasn't even close. <laughs> and Talia threw all the interceptions. Yeah. Um. So you know, I'd love to see all that. They have some good talent on both sides of the ball. Been recruiting yeah, really well. Yeah. So I'd love to see them be be a force, be a factor, be another wild card, right? Um, in the Big mm-hmm. Ten. The Big Ten needs a, a few more wild cards um, to, to add to the Shadow Realm, to add to you know what Penn State's going to do. Just, just give me all the wild cards in the Big Ten. Guys, let's move over to the Soilers category, and we're going to roundtable this just so the, that the episode... Oh, I don't get my last oh, you're spoiler, right. my Mitch. My bad. Yeah, come on. My bad. Trey, to get this last one in. I'm I'm kind of almost glad that you uh, canceled this one out because I'm very nervous about this spoiler pick. I'm going to stay in the SEC East uh, with you, Mitch, and I'm going with the Kentucky Wildcats. Um, And listen, I know, I know we hyped up Kentucky last year. I know that we were picking them as a dark horse, New Year's Six and uh, all the accolades, right? We thought Will Levis was the second coming and we were going to just dance happily in a basketball season with an elite football program Not all at of Kentucky. Us. None of that materialized. None of that materialized, right? Uh, but this year, I think things could be different. I think a couple reasons. Devin Leary is transferring into Kentucky. Um, that is a huge, huge... I, I don't know for sure that it's going to be an upgrade from what we thought Will Levis was going to be, but I think it will be an upgrade from what Will Levis actually mm-hmm. was in 2022. Leary, he has a lot of injury history. He, we don't know for sure that he's going to be ready to go right out of the gate, but even if he's not, the entry to the season for Kentucky is Ball State, Eastern Kentucky, Akron, and at Vandy. So before they get Florida at home on September 30th, they are easing into that schedule really smoothly. And look, they're also getting their offensive coordinator back from the Los Angeles Rams that was really orchestrating a lot of those really elite Kentucky offenses from the last couple of years. So there's a lot to like about what the Wildcats are going to bring into competition this year. They get Missouri, Tennessee, Alabama at home. One of those could be a really prime opportunity for, and Florida as well, uh, to knock off somebody that maybe people think they're not supposed to. They could send, you know, Tennessee into an absolute tailspin if they were able to knock them off somehow in Lexington, Alabama. We're about to talk about them in the next segment. I, who knows what Alabama is going to be? Who knows if their quarterback situation is going to get figured out at any point this year? So lots of big opportunities at home for Kentucky, and they're going to have the quarterback and offensive coordinator to get it done. <laughs> puts puts on Alabama are already in the cards, and apparently we're investing in Kentucky. Listen, if Kentucky's offense can be something, anything, uh, they've got Devin Leary coming in, so you got to feel like they're going to have some sort of boost, plus the offensive coordinator, that's certainly going to help. I, I just... Liam Cohen. That's that's the name I was looking for. We couldn't yeah, remember Cohen, off the top of my head. But coming back from the Los good. Angeles Rams. Um, he's he's built for yep. the college game, right? He's kind of he's like what Zach Kitley is to to Texas Tech and Western Kentucky before that, right? He's a straw that serves a drink there. Um I am really nervous that Kentucky's moment in the sun is past. Um I do really worry about some of the losses they had on their offensive line. Um, I worried that that defense might just not hold up. So, 
you know, we'll, we'll see. Could could they be kind of a Missouri team where they could spoil somebody's season? Absolutely. No doubt about it. Devin Leary is, is a talented QB. He's got to stay healthy this year. Um, but a guy that we were talking about as a dark horse Heisman contender last year until he got hurt. So I, I, I like the gumption on the pick. For me, I think I feel about it the same way as you feel about my Missouri pick, right? Could be a very, could end up being an average team that maybe has one upset on their record. It's the middle to bottom of the SEC East. They're yeah. all they're all pretty. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, throwing darts. <laughs> you know, y'all kind of disagree or maybe feel a little uneasy about each other's. I'm just going to agree with both of you because I think they're both pretty good picks. I do think Kentucky is going to be improved with Devin Leary. I think that they're going to be a much better team with him at the helm. I was not very big on Will Levis. I, I still am not very big on Will Levis. We'll wait and see what he does in the NFL. Maybe in a couple of seasons, maybe he's not in the NFL. Maybe he's in the USFL. Um, but Wow. I, I I don't know. I don't think Will Levis is going to be very good. And I was saying that a little bit at the beginning of last season, and people thought I was crazy. And here we are. Um, but, no, I think Kentucky's in a great spot to you know keep it going. I don't think Kentucky's just a basketball school. Um, I think Kentucky can play some football. And, yeah, I like the picture. I think it's going to be pretty solid. I think they're going to be in an okay position. You know, like you said, picking up the offense a little bit. Yeah, they'll jump up and snag somebody. Circle October 14th on the calendar, baby. Mizzou at Kentucky. <laughs> the big reckoning. The spoiler reckoning. Uh, guys, let's go ahead. As I jumped the gun earlier, false start on Mitch. Back it up. Try it again. Let's go ahead and round table our soilers uh, just so that our episode isn't two hours long, which, uh, hey, if you're an OG of the show, you know they could be um, <laughs> if, if we let them. So what I'm going to do is this. I'm going to throw all of our soilers into the pot here and, and kind of let us all just round table it make some comments on it so guys from uh from garrett we've got alabama and ucla it's his two submissions trey you've got florida state which i have words to say to you <laughs> and Ole miss florida state and Ole miss i've got tennessee and tcu um a lot of different directions we could go there trey lead us off where where would you like to start here whether it's on your own a comment on somebody else Make, make your case. We've talked a lot about Alabama on the show, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave that for a little bit later, but I'll just address the elephant in the room, Florida State, because, listen, I was not in on Knowles' coin as early as Mitch was. I, I would give him the props that he deserves for that. I think I count as getting in on it right before the sure. LSU game, though, because I did pick them to beat LSU, and I was riding that roller coaster all last year. It was a really fun ride to watch L- uh, Florida State just navigate their schedule last year and finally see some success um, with Mike Norvell. Here's my concern about Florida state is the hype train just creaming off the tracks because it is going to the moon right now. When I was, you know, lining up uh, some pre projections, looking at maybe some bowl projections and stuff like that, just clicking through games. I looked up and all of a sudden I had Florida state at 11 and 0 going into their matchup with Florida at the end of the season. And of course, beating Florida I had them in the playoff. And I had to stop and think to myself, do I actually believe that Florida state can make the college football playoff this year? So more, this is just a check for me because I know there's others in the college football world that view that way too. Florida state, lots of potential, lots of talent. They have one of the most electric quarterbacks in the game. They've got a great pass rush on defense. They have not the most strong schedule in the world. They do have some tricky games here and there, but you know, not as many as some other playoff contenders. The potential is really there. I'm just concerned that the hype train is going a little bit too far off the tracks and we might miss a really solid season being disappointed if it's not ending in the playoff. That's all I'm saying. I don't, I don't disagree. I I don't disagree. There is, there is plenty of time and plenty of opportunity for this train to come off the tracks. I'm going to stand on my soapbox and say, I think, this is a program that's overcome just about every obstacle that's been thrown at it other than reaching the ACC championship game um, in the last couple of years. Um, they have the most returning production in college football and a quarterback who could be a Heisman contender. When I look at what it takes to win in college football, it's have a game-breaking quarterback, which I don't know if Travis is that exactly, but he's approaching that level. And it's have a really good pass rush, a, a, a pass rush that gets in and just eliminates an offense's ability 
to function. And to me, Florida State has both of those. Um, I think it's going to be Florida State and Clemson for the ACC, but you know, plenty of time to talk more about that later. It's a gutsy pick, and I respect it. They could start they could. two and two. That's my only concern. They've got LSU and Clemson yep. in their first four games. They lose both of those, then what are we looking at for the definitely, rest of the season? Definitely. Yeah. I wrote about that actually in an article that's getting ready to come out on the Transfer Portal website later this week. So um, I'll, I'll let you guys go read that as well. Uh, I was going to say flip side, if they win both of those games, yep. are, yeah, hype trains off the tracks. And they're the number one team, so. right? <laughs> if they win both those games, number one AP. And it'd be hard to keep them out of Maybe the number one resume going into the first like college football playoff ranking. Um, I Look, I, I think if you had to make me pick a team that I feel great about making the playoffs, the first one I'm picking is probably Georgia. And the second one I'm picking is probably Florida State because I don't know that there's a lot of competition in the ACC this year for them. Uh, this might be a crazy statement, but if they can get past Duke, I think they're going to be fine. I don't yeah. believe in Clemson this year. I, I'm just – call me a hater. I don't think Clemson's there this year. I, I don't think that Cade's going to make the jump. That's on me. You can come back and throw egg on my face when I'm wrong. But, uh, you know, if they can get past, like, a Duke, then I think that they're fine. Um, and I think that they're going to kind of coast and smooth sail uh, on their way to a playoff. I think that they're really, really good. Uh, so, though I did agree with your Kentucky take, Trey, uh, maybe not going to be with you here on the Florida State one. <laughs> if, if, if That's fair. That's fair. It's and a again, hot take. They could win nine or ten games. They could win nine or ten games. They could go to a, BCS, or a New Year's Six Bowl. But when we start talking about college football playoff and setting that as the expectation, yeah. a little if they do though, I'm gonna buy a house in the metaverse with all the Knowles coin that I have because stonks Absolutely. are going through the roof. Um, my spoilers, as I mentioned, or my soilers, excuse me, Tennessee and TCU. I'll keep it brief on either uh, on each of these. TCU, you lost Max Duggan, who again was the straw that stirred that drink. You lost Garrett Riley uh, to Clemson, so it's a new offensive. Um, play caller at the very least in Kendall Bryles. Um, I'll leave it at that. And it's a a team that way overachieved, right? They're over under, according to DraftKings, is seven and a half. Very similar to what I'm about to say about Tennessee. Something doesn't like fool me once, you know, shame on shame on you. Um, fool me twice, shame on me. I we were totally wrong on TCU last year. I don't think I'm going to be wrong on them again. I think they're going to be a good team. I'm not even going to take the under on that line, but to say that they're going to be this elite program again, despite all the transfers that they brought in, and it feels like they're kind of Alabama's junior varsity team right now with with all the guys that they took from the SEC footprint. Chandler Morris at quarterback is a very different style than what Max Duggan was. I think Duggan had a historic run. Um, they lost their running backs as well. Kendra Miller being gone is a big deal. And I just don't know that with as as hunted as they're going to be this year by Texas, by Oklahoma, by uh, Kansas State, even by Oklahoma State, I don't think TCU is going to be an elite team. Tennessee, it all honestly starts with Joe Milton. Can he be more accurate this year? Secondly, who's he throwing to, right? They've lost their their biggest weapons. Um, and then finally, we weren't, if you guys were, if you remember, if you were with, were with us last year, we weren't sold on that Tennessee defense all year long. They're not the reason why they were winning games. It was honestly the defense that was kind of hanging on, kind of keeping them in games. And then their offense would outscore everybody until I see a, a market improvement. I don't know that I can pick Tennessee to be a true SEC East contender, to knock off Georgia, um, they're at nine and a half over under, which again, I think Vegas might be telling you pump the brakes on this SEC East, you know, trip to Atlanta. Georgia still reigns supreme out east. Well, and the thing about Tennessee, too, like obviously, I think we expect the offensive production to come down, but their big game and the, the reason they kind of got on their roll was beating Alabama. And, you know, that can give your team a boost and it can give you the, you know, the kind of believe aspect to everything. And I, Tuscaloosa is a different place than Knoxville. It just is. Um, yeah. And and I think that they're going to have a harder time going in there without all their weapons and without all that offensive firepower. It's going to be a lot harder to go into Tuscaloosa and beat them. Now, you know, obviously I'm going to talk about Bama here in a second, but 
I'm not going to call that a loss for Tennessee, but that's going to be a lot harder of a game for Tennessee than it was last year. And that game was really close. So um, interesting there. I think on the TCU bit, though, I think it just depends on what you mean by Soiler in terms of expectations. Like, if there's any TCU fans that expect that you're returning to the playoffs this year, you're probably dumb. Just don't don't think that you're returning to the playoff. It's not going to happen. It's just not there for you. If you're talking about seven and a half as their win total, they'll beat seven and a half. I think they're a better team um, than they were. I don't think that the the whole you know new regime there. I don't think that's a fluke. I don't think that it's you know totally different. And they do have a lot of talent coming in, right? They have a lot of talent coming in. That's going to make it a lot easier to do that. Um, I'm I'm expecting them to still be pretty good, compete for the Big Twelve, maybe not, but they'll probably be in the running late in the season. All right. Well, listen, guys, um, if you're on the video side, you may be wondering why the video abruptly has changed scenes. If you're on the podcasting side, maybe you didn't even notice that anything changed. But uh, we had some technical difficulties. uh, And uh, basically, in the interest of making sure that this podcast happens and uploads in its entirety, we're going to end it right here. So uh, we appreciate you guys for uh, listening again to another episode. We will do another edition of Spoilers and Soilers. Don't you worry. Uh, we'll have more college football news coming up again. Uh, if you missed the announcement earlier and you're wondering, you know, why is this episode in the midweek? We're back to two episodes a week, and uh, we're really, really excited about it. We've got a ton of content coming your way, but hopefully under better technical circumstances. So <laughs> before someone's internet cuts out again, For Trey Reeves and Garrett Turney, I'm Mitch Mason. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, so long, everybody. Gracious, how about that?